1: A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino.
2: At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem
1: serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com.
0: No purchase necessary. DTW Group, point prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18. Plus. This podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network.
3: to a Celtic state of mind. I'm Paul John Dykes and I'm joined once again by JP Mason uh, to talk about all things Celtic. But the first thing I noticed, JP, welcome back, is that cracking, now retro away jersey over your right shoulder. It's there for a reason. Talk to us about that season and your memories of that season.
1: Well, I have to be honest with you straight off the bat that that isn't the original top that I had that I bought as a then nineteen-year-old uh, sprightly Celtic supporter. Um, I had a long-sleeve version of that top, and when I was studying in France uh, in, in Nice in the year 2000, I uh, obviously had many Celtic tops with me, and uh, that was the band season. I went to Nice to live you know, a couple of weeks before the inverness Cali game, and uh, I made became friends with a German guy uh, called Damien in my class, and he was a massive Borussia Dortmund fan, fan, and. Uh, when I was leaving in uh, Nice in the June of that year, I gave him my long-sleeved Celtic away top as a gift. So and I did receive a really cool uh, Borussia Dortmund scarf and patch and supporter songs tape in the post. as a, Brilliant. Yeah, yeah, really, really nice of them. And, uh, you know, you know what German people are like, they kind of, they're very kind of, I don't know, efficient you know like, and when it comes to you know it didn't just send me something wee and random back it was like a full Borussia Dortmund package uh, that I got so but yeah I managed to get hold of that top maybe about I don't know I think someone gave me it maybe about 10 years ago someone from old supporters club and yeah it was my first season as a season ticket holder um, I'd been on the waiting list in the season of 97-98 uh, so I'd just been getting tickets as and when I could at that point and then finally got a season ticket of my own which I have right here.
3: You're going to have to flick through that. It shows the old style, man. It shows yeah. the old style season ticket. Well, it's like a ra- it was like a raffle ticket book, wasn't it?
1: Yeah. So basically, for all you, uh, I can't believe I'm saying this for all you young ones out there. You used to have to send your uh, voucher away. The, each, each voucher applied to a game, and then if you wanted to get a ticket for an away game or a European mm. game. Uh, then you, you, you had to send your voucher away or you applied either through your club, supporters club as a group, or you applied individually. Um, but yeah, so the Vengo the, the season, I love Dr. Joe. I know that he wasn't the most successful manager we've ever had. And, you know, I think you and Laura touched upon it last night, how just how he carried himself. And, and that's true. It kind of reminded me a bit of my granddad because he was obviously a, uh, uh, Czech, and uh, I'm, I hope I've got that right here. It's Czechoslovakian, right?
3: Well, I was reading this thing uh, that uh, Jock Brown had said, you know that famous headline, blank Czech. Yeah. Um, and he said, oh, they didn't even get the head, the headline right because he wasn't Czechoslovakian. So just while you're telling that story, I'm going to check myself, yeah, well, pardon, pardon the pun.
1: Well, my grandfather was Polish, so they had a similar... Uh, way of delivering English, uh, you know, in sort of broken, broken sentences, broken sort of words, um, maybe not completely all joined together at a time. Like special qualities, players, movements, passing, um, you know, things like that. And that, that was just like my granddad, so I immediately had an affection towards him because of that. And and then obviously, you know, he signed. Lubomir and I'll, I'll never forget that I came home from wherever I was and I checked Teletext and it said Celtic sign £300,000 Lubomir Morafchik from, uh, I think it was Duis- Duisburg. Um, and, you know, it's like 83 years old, you know. But then you're thinking, that guy must be all right. But then your immediate thoughts so are to go back to, like, you know, your sort of Wayne Biggins days and, you know, oh, well, we're just signing another guy that's past his prime. And then, of course, and that would be my first. Well, my first Rangers game at Ibrox was with Doctor Joe. It was a nil-nil. Do you remember uh, Larson hit the crossbar? Ronnie mm-hmm. was in goal, and me and my friend, me and my friend Michael and, and John Smith, were on the TV that day on Sky Sports because the camera went to the Celtic end and zoomed in right on us, and we were standing on our seat with a tricolour um, singing. And uh, there that, that was an early kick that day when I went back to the pub that I was working in that night for a shift. All the guys in the pub were all Rangers fans. And I walked in and they were all like, Yeah, we've seen you. And I was like, What? And they were like, Yeah, we've seen you on the TV. But you're on Sky Sports. And I was like, Oh, dear. We've we seen you standing on your chair. And I was like, Oh, no. <laughs> uh, so that was my first appearance on Sky Sports. And, uh, and then, yeah, 5-1 game. Like Loubo standing there bemused at having scored two goals and uh, and then Burchill coming on and scoring and I, I knew Mark Butchel from a school camp that I went on when I was in primary seven. So seeing a guy score for Celtic that you actually know and have you know you know have met as a as a wee guy was amazing. And I I'll go back to see if you remember the seven one game at Motherwell that season
3: mm-hmm.
1: when Larson scored four, right? I, I was there that, that night. Uh, and for the last 20 minutes of that game, I've still got the whole game on tape, taped off the TV, the last 20 minutes of that game, the whole Celtic end sang cheerio, to 10 in a row. Solid. Tw- 20 minutes. Solid. There was no break. It just was like... It's, it, it, just as you thought it was finishing, it started up again, and it went for 20 minutes, and it was uh, what a lot of buzz. And then one, won. But Lubo got injured that night and carried off on a stretcher. And a lot of people I've read... Saying that, that that was probably the end of our title challenge that night when Liverpool got, you know, and uh, I wouldn't argue with that to be fair. And I think you know, it just shows you how key things like Julian getting injured against uh, Dundee United could that be a similar moment that derailed, not derailed further our season this season, but you know, it's and maybes
3: no but you know when you brought that up and you have the time after the event after speaking to JP to really consider that and think about the impact of this mini revival that we had kind of gone on during that period and then Julian's injury obviously derailed it again uh, in, in many many respects but no, I think it was a great point you made, that season itself it is all about specific moments that stick in your mind about uh, all of these periods of Celtic history I mean I think what Jock Brown was referring to was although uh, Joseph Venglos was born in Czechoslovakia by the time he comes to Celtic um, the, the region he was born in was now part of Slovakia I think that's Jock Brown with his uh, lawyer's head on uh, yeah. looking at facts but um, yeah I, we, we spoke the other day there about the disrespect really that was being shown to people coming into our game we've seen it with Wim uh, Janssen, we've seen it with Joe Venglos and uh, of course Lubo himself but just looking at that jersey um, I remember all all the Celtic jerseys through my lifetime because that particular jersey, at the time, I wasn't a massive fan of it. I really wasn't a massive fan of that away jersey and it's one of the ones now that when I look back on it and obviously having done the research for the Celtic jersey book, Shameless Plug, out later this year, um, I started to really take a shine to this, this shirt and I think the reason I didn't like it is I love the Celtic Crest to be full colour, so green, white black, mm. and this is going to that um, that style whereby it was integral to the design, so it was black and lime green, mm. and that, that became the norm for a long time, still is with a lot of clubs, but I prefer the full colour Celtic Crest but in, fa- in actual fact, I can't see it from here JP, but there's a shading in the black and it's the Celtic crest and it's kind of half under the lime green and half above the lime green there's actually a variety there's a variation a very very rare variation this is where the anorak comes out uh, (laughs) because I I did the study in with all the match worn collectors there's just a a black and green version that we we only wore it in Europe so there's no shading Aye, so if you ever come across one of those jerseys It's a real rarity And obviously the numbers on the back with no name Because it was the European games, you know But when you look at jerseys It reminds you straight away of a player I'm going to tell you who that jersey reminds me of And it's a bizarre one Vida Rusev I knew, Vida
1: Rusev. <laughs> I knew you were going to say that I absolutely knew
3: you were going to say that um, I, And I don't know why But Vida's the man that I think of
1: yeah, no, I, I, well, I said it almost exactly the same time as you said it, because so I, I knew you were going to say, I, I don't know why. I, mean. I think it's just because maybe he was specific to that. Was he specific to that season? I can't even remember how long reset was there after. You know, obviously he played in the Barnes season because he scored in the League Cup final against Aberdeen. Um, but yeah, it, for some reason, like a, a dark night or a, a European night, maybe against FC Zurich or something like that, remember we played them? Cause, mm-hmm. uh, I was just checking the European games that they played. Up. So we played Croatia Zagreb and got beat. Uh, although listed in the Wikipedia, it's it, they're listed as Dynamo Zagreb and not Croatia Zagreb, which is right.
3: French. Mm-hmm.
1: Um But remember that was Krozinetsky and all that. You know what? They were a, they were a good side.
3: Very good. Mark, Varduka, their, Mark Marko Voduka.
1: Yeah, we got their we got their striker. Which I mean, thinking back, that was a huge signing for Celtic at that time. That was. You know, quite a coup to get somebody like him because I mean, he surely must have been on a lot of clubs' radars in Europe at that point. You know, it wasn't as if we just plucked him from obscurity. He, he'd obviously played in the Champions League mm-hmm. uh, and was, well, I mean, probably was an international at that point. I would imagine, or certainly knocking on the door. Um, his uh, his girlfriend was absolutely Ivana.
3: Ivana, yes. the yeah. The reason that her name is quite fresh in my memory, yeah. She was obviously a very pretty girl, but John Potter, who's now the assistant manager at Hibbs, mm-hmm. he played for Celtic. His first club was Celtic. He signed for Celtic as an S for him. We went to the same school, mm-hmm. and he was head and shoulders above anybody, JP, one of the players that you knew was going to make it as a footballer. Yeah. So his first club was Celtic, and he captained Celtic reserves mm-hmm. uh, on the night that uh, Marco Vaduka came back. To make his first appearance, which was against St. Johnston reserves. And he, he walked into the changing room whilst all the other players were already ready with their boots and everything on. He kind of walks in with Havana, uh, on his arm. So, you know, he did what he liked, did Marco yeah. Vaduca, you know. But there is a sadder tale to that, obviously. And I don't think, going back to the way the press treated Vim Janssen, Lubo Maravcek and Joe Venglos, the way they treated Vaduca, when he was suffering from mental health issues, and he went able, hey, well, the way they treated him was absolutely shocking, wasn't it?
1: Yeah, they kind of hung him out to dry. From memory, uh, you know, it was just kind of a real, real sort of critical uh, take on his situation. Which, if you were to fast forward that now and make it now, you know, if the press was to, you know, <laughs> act upon him the way they did, then they would be they would be chastised and all mm-hmm. rightly so. Um, I do remember. Uh, a game uh down at uh, Greenock Morton and my friend Dave McGeakin will remember this as well. But uh we won and it was on Sky Sports. It was a Tuesday night uh and it was absolutely bucketing with rain and it was just a it was just so bizarre to see these guys, you know, like like Mark Viduca and you're thinking God that guy's played Champions League football and he's playing here down at um down at Greenock Morton in the in the Scottish Cup and uh Remember the the, the, the toilets? I, I'd never been to that ground before. And going into the toilets was just basically just a, a sort of like makeshift shed with a, a trough on the floor where you, where you uh, did your business into. I mean, obviously one of the types of business, not both. Um, and uh, I was, uh, was just, I remember thinking, such a, such a weird contrast for like the, the superstars, you know?
3: Oh, definitely. I mean, you're bringing back memories now because obviously the jungle toilets were famous or infamous for for many, many years. But the worst experience I've had, we really are going on a tangent here because we're going to be talking about Barcast in a moment, was Central Park in Cowdenbeath. It literally is a wall. It's just a wall. And there might be a gap in the pavement or something where everything goes, but it really is behind the wall which uh, is bizarre, it's like being transported back to 1954 or something like that yeah. in the deepest, darkest fife, JP but yeah, Joe Venglos, rest in peace, I mean obviously the the, the team wore the black armbands last night. Um I do also think back to a couple of things that with, with a tinge of regret, Mark Burchill you've already mentioned. I thought he was the next, you know, the next prodigy coming through at Celtic. I thought he was going to be the goal scorer for years to come. Um he had loads of potential that turn pace, prolific goal scorer. But you know, he never really got a, a lengthy run in the side. How can you when, you know, before long, Martin O'Neill comes in and you're up against Larson, Sutton, eventually Hartson. Uh, and, of course, he, he turned into a bit of more of a, a journeyman footballer after that. I had high hopes for Matt Butchell.
1: Yeah, I did too. I, I really, really wanted him to do well because, um, you know, he's from, like, sort of my neck of the woods, Livingston. And, you know, like I said, I met him at school camp. His nickname was Mouse at school camp. Um Cause it was it was remember I remember obviously I was buying the Celtic View religiously at that point and I remember seeing an article about him and it was just like you know uh, West Lothian youngster Mark Birchall has you know done this and that in the in the youth team or the reserves or whatever and I was like Mark Birchall that's that's mouse that's the guy that we met at school camp you know I mean, I never kept in touch really or I never saw him again it was just one of these things where you are know, together for a week at schools and then you go your separate ways and you start high school he went to St Margaret's I went to St Kent's. Um, but I did meet him, he came to our Tommy Burns supper and as I get, the February of 99 and uh, I went up to him and said alright and he remembered me, which was really, really sound he, he, straight away I said my name and he, he he finished by saying my surname, which obviously is unforgettable when you think of the oxymoron that it actually is, but um, yeah, he remembered me and I had a wee chat with him at the, at the top table and he was... Uh, you know, he was buzzing to be playing for Celtic. And, you know, I said to him, man, to see you score against Rangers, you know, I, there was nobody going more daft in the stadium that night than me. Because, yes, it was the fifth goal in a, in a route, But it, for me, just seeing him score a goal, like seeing somebody you actually know, like and knew before he was at Celtic and all the rest of it, like score a goal in that game with the stadium rocking was Oh, it was, lar- was Larson that
3: set him up I think it, the thing with virtual, what I loved about him he, he had that cool kind of celebration it was like the Ronaldo the original Ronaldo celebration I it up, yeah. 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 yeah yeah just
1: pointed out
3: like that yeah cool yeah. as a cucumber um, yes the Scottish Mike alone uh, but it didn't quite work out for him unfortunately but Welsh <laughs> we talk about you know did he get a bad injury did he lose a yard of pace was that what, what done him I
1: mean no I mean he, I think he did well out of his move to uh, it, I can't remember. It was a team that was at Portsmouth. They went to Portsmouth. He
3: did. He did. Yeah.
1: They got. He, he, I'm pretty sure we got an all right fee for him at that time, maybe a couple of million. And I think he did all right out of the same non fee. And then he was just. I think he's been pretty canny with his money. He went. I think. I think he's got property. Um, I'll have to excuse me
3: That's a delivery delivery. So what I'll do whilst you're away getting that JP is I'll have a look at some of the comments Coming in from our um, Listeners, so welcome all to the show On YouTube, Twitter and Facebook Uh, Yeah, last night was a a victory albeit it was a a bit of a you know when you're looking at the game and you get a couple of uh, goals one fairly early in the first half one fairly early in the second half when it comes to 60 minutes you know Celtic seem to run out of ideas a wee bit now Stephen Kenneth what began as a 10 in a row season has descended into laughing at our managers contradictory and absurd statements most recently about our goalies and being insulted with the club's loathsome self-preservation now
0: not just a media company. iHeart Media is your access company. Go to iHeartResults.com for more.
3: Obviously, I have been very um, critical of many aspects of uh, Celtic over the last few months. But I was watching that last night. I'm trying to make sense of all the comments coming out of the club. And a lot of that, obviously, is coming from Neil Lennon. Almost exclusively so. And I'm getting the impression now... You know, there was something very interesting about the comments around Jeremy Frimpong. JP, welcome back. I'm talking about how the the season has descended into where we are now, mm-hmm. and slowly but surely, you know, some people may think the knee-jerk reaction was Lenny out, and we've seen the banners coming out. Peaceful protest outside Celtic Park and it's gone on from there. It's gone from bad to worse with uh, things outside the football with the Dubai trip and everything else that 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 entailed. But I'm now of the view, JP, that I don't think Celtic are going to make any any changes? I think you know the biggest changes that we're going to see will be to the personnel, and even then, I don't think it will be massive. You know, Jeremy Frimpong, I reckon, will be one of possibly two players that leave. When we bring them bring in replacements, I think it's going to be fairly underwhelming. Going by what Neil Lennon said, you know, the the words he's using is uh, loan signings and bargains, and I think the reason for that. And this is having taken everybody's views on board, listened to everything that Neil Lennon's got to say, and trying to be as balanced as possible. I actually think that Celtic are just going to ride out this this season. They've written off the league. And I think that's happened over the last month or so. They've written that off after Dubai. And now what they're saying is, you know what? It's all about getting through this financially stable. Because there are going to be other clubs around about the country and all over Football, uh, European football and beyond, who won't get through it? Uh, they'll either not get through it at all, or it will, you know, be such a, a financial hit that it will take them years and years to to recover from that. So I think that is at the heart of all the decisions that are now being made. So even though they might look at Neil Lennon and his coaching staff, JP, and they might think a change is actually better at the moment, they won't do it because of the financial implications of getting rid of a coaching staff, bringing in potentially a new coaching staff from another side, uh, which would uh, have cost implications. We're going to ride it out. We'll probably sell a couple of players. But once fans are back in the stadium at least we will still be on a good financial footing. That's not my view, but I think that's the way that Celtic now as a club are approaching us. Peter Lowell, we know when it comes to figures, that's his thing, that's what he excels at. And I think that is the view. And The, the, the biggest disappointment for me, if that is the view, GP, why aren't they communicating it to us as a fan base? I,
1: I don't think they can figure out how to. I think I think we've been very critical of the way that they've communicated so far, Uh, And if it's either a statement and then it's through Twitter and, you know, on the website or whatever, and then, you know, you look at what people all did with the interview with Jerry McCullough, that got pretty much slated as well, by and large. And I think they're probably sitting there trying to figure out what angle, I think your angle of addressing the support um, before a home game, I think that would be great. You know, I think that would be, I certainly would feel like you were involved in something that's unique, not unique to you, but you know you're part of something that's not just readily available, you know, on YouTube for other people to mock, uh, etc. You know, if it's streamed live to you, then there, there's no interference. It's it, you know, it's, it's direct to the to the. I don't want to say customer because we're certainly, you know, it doesn't really feel well. It actually, yeah, it does feel like more like customers at the moment than supporters because we're not actually able to reciprocate uh, with any support really. You know, be it on the the and at the games, or even just like buying a pie, or you know, a program at the game, or anything like that. You know, I, I, I doubt anybody's buying. I mean, you can't really get anything to do with the game. I think they they, they give you a virtual program or something as part of the mm-hmm. thing. I've not taken anything of that up. Um, I just watched the games. Uh, obviously, watched last night. So yeah, I think they're probably trying to figure out their best angle and I would hope they are taking advice from you know qualified people as to what might be the best way to go forward because whatever move they make to do that it has to be right it's just like I said last week you know whatever move they make if they're going to make a move in the managerial market that has to be right and you know I wouldn't just you know go out and get someone for the sake of it but You've mentioned a few times about the payoff for the coaching team. Would it not just be that they would be paid off from now until May? Because surely Neil went and signed a contract, a 12-month rolling contract starting in May, and it was, so it would expire in in, a, in a May. You know? So you'd only really be paying, what, five, five four months? It wouldn't be necessarily the full thing.
3: I was reading um, just last week because, again, you know, you hear the the terminology "rolling contract," and uh, apparently, what it means is every day you wake up, you've got a year. Uh, however, within that contract. Mm -hmm. is obviously what happens if we pay off and and there'll be a a package available to the individual. So the figure that that was first mentioned was 1.2 million. That's now been kind of scoffed at and apparently the figure is closer to 300 grand. Mm -hmm. But I I think what's happened is Celtic have realised that no matter what they do, and now in terms of a change it's not going to save this season but the frustration is surely we should be looking towards next season and this isn't a, an opportunity for me to to bash Neil Lennon of course you know it's not it certainly is not but i do think now the club are thinking what is the point in changing the manager now because if they did have a plan in place then the new manager you would guess, would have a say in player recruitment. Um, they would be assessing a squad and saying, well, in actual fact, I think I can work with Jeremy Frimpong. I can make him a better player. I can take him to the next level. And then, you know, because the, the, the moves are coming and going, and I expect to see a couple more in and out over the next few days, I just, it, you know, for me, it reeks of a club who are not going to make that change, but I just wish that the the communication had happened. Now, I know that certain parts of the club are communicating with certain groups, so J.P. Taylor, Support Liaison Officer, has been speaking to the affiliation. I wasn't in the meeting because I'm not part of the affiliation, JP. So uh, Kevin's going to give everybody the lowdown on that when he's back in on Monday. You're not missing anything earth-shattering. If there was something that we had to uh, give to the Celtic support, we would. You know, it's just a, it's, an, it's an update from JP. Um, and we are obviously waiting for the, the response, uh, the review. You know, the, the results of this review as well. It's been raised a few times by... The press pack when Neil Lennon does his press conferences but we're no really further forward in that and again I can't take credit for the suggestion that something should happen before a game, I think it was suggested on this uh, podcast via the comments section but I think it's the best way, you know because you've got season tickets uh, 54,000 strong season ticket holders all logging in to watch the game speak to us you know and it doesn't have to be it would be great if it was interactive of course it would be I mean these things can be monitored you know not every question pops up on the screen otherwise it would uh, would get a bit fruity fruity in here that's for sure Um, and, and again it could be monitored and they could be filtering in some of the questions and you know controlled to a degree but it would give you a sense that the club are listening and willing to engage I think that there's other things happening in the background in relation to engaging with podcasts and and platforms like A Celtic State of Mind Mm -hmm. something we've been pushing for for a long time JP and it's not again a a way of basically being part of a a message so we've always looked at the Celtic view like yourself I was an avid reader of the view for decades you know probably I probably bought it for about 30 years (laughs) and um, when, when you look back it's a great document of what was happening at the time but of course it is the view of the club It's always been the view of the club. And that's caused a few problems in the past when certain contributors were saying things that annoyed people at the club or players, etc. And that has been an issue. And, of course, they're not the view, Uh, called it Pravda. They called it Pravda, this propaganda engine. So, with regards to that, if you're an independent podcast like a Celtic State of Minds and you do eventually get access, which would be great, then it needs to be on an independent basis so you can't be basically given a message to then filter out to the fan base you need to challenge that message you need to question it and then of course if you're able to you can use some of the the content on the Axon Bulletin that would be my take on it you know you might get one question to ask Neil Lennon What, what question is it that you ask him well it needs to be a challenging one you know, it can't just be a question whereby you're going to get uh, a company message that you then deliver to the support. You need to challenge various things. And I mean, there's there's so much at, you know, at stake this season that you would be challenging probably during every press conference. But that's part and parcel of being the, the manager at a top football club. So yeah. when, when you're challenged, and I think Neil Lennon's been challenged quite a bit over the last few weeks. Um, and I've always been saying, you know, why always Neil Lennon? get someone else out there uh, to take, take the heat off him a wee bit. You know, John Kennedy, get him out there. Gavin Strachan now has given um, interviews when he was the interim manager. Get him out there. Because Neil Lennon takes it all on his shoulders and I think it started to show over the last couple of weeks, JP. A
1: hundred percent, yeah. I, I'd, I'd never really heard Gavin Strachan speak before until those two games that he was in charge. And you know and he, he certainly obviously knows how to deal with the press it's not as if he was a rabbit in the headlights I actually thought he spoke okay you know and, and I, I wouldn't have any you know I wouldn't have any issue with Gavin Strachan coming out and speaking after the game instead of uh, Neil Lennon or John Kennedy for that matter because like you say the workload should be shared but then it just it just makes you wonder what the we're all wondering what the relationship is like between them we've been told that it you know you know uh John Kennedy has, has been a rock to Neil Lennon. That might well be true. I don't know. I have no idea what the relationship is. But um, going back to something that, that, that was pointed out uh, about Lee Griffiths sort of having a go, if he did, I think the, the headline, he never actually said what the headline said. Yeah. But like, fans have short memories. He didn't actually say that. So he was quoted as saying something completely different to the actual article. But... The inference was there in the article that we, you know, should, you know, remember what's happened in nine in a row quadruple treble and all that. That's fine, but we've absolutely fallen off a cliff in terms of where we were. You know, if anything, that makes it worse because, you know, we've gone from this, you know, sustained period of unprecedented success to being out of everything and being so far behind. And I know that there's mitigating factors to that, but you can't just expect people to go, oh, well, you know, well, because we've done so well in the past. You know, it's, it's 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 a completely different you know scenario we're facing now, whereby we're not. You know, if you if the Ross County result was a complete anomaly, a one-off game, you know the cup the cup game, you'd have been like, okay, that, these things happen. We've been beaten in other uh, seasons and cup competitions, and it just goes to show how amazing that run was. Mm-hmm. But it isn't a that wasn't a standalone moment. You know, you you look at European performances against Sparta Prague, and it was just. Horrendous. And, and then, obviously, you've got draws coming out your ears in other games. Thankfully, we were able to win last night. I think we would have won a lot more comfortably last night. I don't know what the level of shots were in terms of blocks and saves and everything else. But, I mean, it, it, it could have, on another night, they could have taken a real hammer in from us if things had fallen a bit better. But, you know, I was just happy to see us, you know, play well to a point and win. <laughs>
3: The big thing with that, every season, I mean, even when we're uh, looking back to Brennan Rodgers' first season in charge, there were certain elements of that season, albeit we were unbeaten, that you win a game it's a 2-0 it isn't a great performance but you just move on because you get the win and that's what's important I think because of where we are just now JP you're looking at every single nuance of Celtic uh, with a critical eye because of what's happened this season and we have fallen off the edge of the cliff Um, Yeah. Only two defeats uh, domestically in the league, of course, uh, but loads of draws. And you know, when you're again, people are saying I must have been a masochist last night because I'm watching Celtic TV on the on the laptop, and I've got the the Hibs game on the left. Because you know, I'm I'm an optimistic type of guy, but I'm a, I'm a realist as well. Yeah, I don't think we're going to win the league this season. Of course, I don't. But I keep my eye on it. Because that's what I'm invested in here. This is, you know, I'm watching a Celtic game. I don't expect us to drop anything. Will Rangers drop anything at Easter Road? It's one venue you would expect them to get a game at. Obviously, they did get a game. It was one nothing. There's a few flash points. But frustrating as hell when you look back on them and you see former referees looking back at them in the morning, but it's been one of those seasons and the margins for me, even if you were getting the run of the green in terms of refereeing decisions, we've we've simply not been good enough, JP, this season. We, as a club, if you're just going to look inwardly, we've not been good enough our performances haven't been good enough Uh, but let's have a look at the Hamilton game because I agree with you, you know, possession wise, we were under no threat there was a couple of Moments that you know really sum up our defence this this season, whereby a ball over the top really wrong foots Greg Taylor and they get a chance, or a cross wrong foots Beaton and Duffy and they have a fantastic chance and Moyo probably should have scored, thankfully he didn't. But the big talking point last night was the team selection, as it as it often is, uh, with the fact that Barca is out and that's why we've ran with the with the headline Barcast massive investment. And the goalie coming in, we all wanted Fraser Forster. I think universally we all wanted the big man back, the great uh, wall, La Gran Morala. Is that right? Is that what they called him in Barcelona? Uh, you know, and we kind of thought, and what what difference would he have made this season? Probably a big difference. Let's be honest, um, but it wouldn't have legislated for all the other mitigating circumstances that we've had to deal with. But Barca has been a massive disappointment. But we've been told he's a number one, and that's why he come back in after his injury. For Conor Hazard, Conor Hazard's now been called the number three uh, during a, an interview with, with Neil Lennon, and we go into this game. I fully expected Barkas to to be in goals. Bain is now the number one. So when you're looking at that situation, and I've got some comments coming through saying, "Well, if Barkas is no longer the number one, then get him out on loan." Well if he's not the number one and he's not adapted to Scotland I mean the, the way that Neil Lennon described it was he hasn't been up to speed with the game it doesn't look as though he's adapted at all not only to the game but to you know the move from from Greece over to Scotland it's not worked out sometimes it happens in football I'm pretty sure he could go back to Greece and become an accomplished goalkeeper again and be the international number one and it was just a blip in his career it simply hasn't worked out what do you do in this situation? do you cut your losses JP? do you to see, can you can you move on back to, to Greece? Can I mean, what kind of fee would we be looking for realistically? We have paid anything from four and a half to five million for him. Mm. Do we do we take half of that? I mean, it's a big hit.
1: I, I think it depends on the player, really. I mean, it, I mean, as we saw, Frimpong wanted to go and he's gone. You know, it wasn't. A, yeah, okay, the money had to be right. And by the way, on that, I think the money, if that is the fee, eleven and a half million to get that for Frimpong. In his position in his current uh, form, I would take that every single day of the week because I just think there's been a glare. Before I go on to talk about Barkas briefly on Frimpong, there's been a glaring uh, thing missing. And if 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 Frimpong is worth eleven and a half million, what price is Christopher Ayer worth? Mm You've got a guy that can play centre half right back and you know, arguably probably midfield as well um, so uh, plus I think Frimpong's height in that position is always going to hinder him I, I don't know how he, it'll be interesting to see how Bayer and utilise him going forward because I don't think he's a right back we've all said that you know, he's not a right back so what is he is he a right wing back but then if he's a right wing back he gets caught out you know? so uh, It'll be interesting anyway, but back to Barkas, I think it would be depend on the player, depend if the player's happy. As the number one audio company, iHeartMedia gives you access to all.
0: Every audience, live conversations, trusted influencers, and the insights and data you need to grow. iHeartMedia is your access company. Go to iHeartResults.com for more.
1: How has he settled in Glasgow, if at all? Um, you know, living on your own in this climate, at this time of the year, and a lockdown. I know it's been mentioned before, and it's the same. It's the same for everybody, but then it's not the same for everybody because everybody's got different circumstances, and people have got things going on that you know you might not even know about. You know, like close close friends might have things going on that they've not divulged, and mm. really difficult things. You know, so um, it depends on him whether or not he feels like he can do the job at Celtic, because ultimately. You ask the guy the question and say, "Look, do you are you up for this challenge? Um, do you think you can do it going forward?" Um, Stevie Woods will have a massive part to play in that as well. I'm very sure Stevie Woods was was not not involved in that decision last night because it's not as if Lennon's like some sort of you know, or oh, he makes all the decisions and you know is you know not taking into consideration what his coaching staff are saying. I would be fully sure that he would be consulting with Stevie Woods over this and uh, they obviously felt that Bain was the right guy to play last night obviously they didn't have what to do uh, I saw a comment from a guy called Robert J90427282 saying PJ thought both centre backs were terrible last night and not for the first time well I agree on not for the first time but I actually watched Shane Duffy and thought you look alright you know you look like can actually play a bit and I know arguably he wasn't playing against the west side and all the rest of it but he needs a couple of performances like that if he's going to be playing between now and the end of the season he needs Mm -hmm. a couple of performances against so-called lower uh, opposition to just get his confidence back up because you look at the camera every time the camera goes to him after something's happened he looks you know so annoyed with himself and just kind of woe is me and all the rest of it Um, and I think as well you know Barca's is probably sitting there going, "I've not played in front of a steady defence this season." You know, I've not, I've not really played behind a steady defence this season. Look at some of the mistakes they've been making. So they probably not helped him in any way. Whereas Scott Bain, I think Scott Bain is just grateful to be at Celtic. I don't think mm. Scott Bain as uh, is, is of any uh, sort of has any sort of grand thinking about his stature. I would certainly hope not because he's. I don't think he's as good enough. He's good a keeper as as all that. I think he's a good keeper. I don't think he's a great keeper, and um, and so I think he, you know, he's just come in and because he's obviously, you know, he's he's based here. You know, he's probably got more of a support network around him. But they've decided decided to trust him with the jersey for now. I, I found it concerning that he said uh, that Neil went and said, that, "What did he say? He's not. He's what he's quote about Barkas was he's not." Uh, showing the stance, I can't remember what he said you'll need to remind me if you know it but he's quote last night about him was just, to me was quite concerning Whatever.
3: Mm. See the thing JP and again that's my camera dropped out twice on this broadcast, I think there's uh, the Gremlins are back, mm. the, the thing with Celtic um, you could take it through the nine, you could take it even longer than that, there are certain areas of the park that we've not really had to worry about before, um, before or for some time and when you think of the goalkeeper situation that Celtic have been in for quite some time a considerable length of time we have been well served and this is the big thing it's not a situation that we are used to um, you know this Goalkeeper crisis because if you if you go back with Fraser Foster Craig Gordon, and and you know it goes on and on. We've had a you know we've had a whole list of excellent goalkeepers where that hasn't been an issue, and now all of a sudden it is. But allied to that, the other issue is we've not had that central defensive partnership that could offer that stability to a new goalie coming in, um, and that's something that you know at the beginning of the season who were your two centre halves? Well, it was Ayer and Julian. Now, I would love to have Iron Julien at centre-half at this moment in time, but there's so many different reasons why we don't. The big one being Julien's had a couple of really bad injuries this season. He's out for three or four months, he could be out until the end of the season. Um, And because of that... And because of what's happened with Frimpong and Elhamid, which, you know, two other issues, Ayer, who is now arguably our best centre-half, is now playing at right back. So everything that you kind of thought was solid has been really crumbling this season, so the goalie, that's not an issue you've got Foster or Gordon, go further back, you've got Boric, you've got a whole list of really good goalkeepers all of a sudden it's a big issue, your centre halves, you know you've got a, a centre half partnership if you want to go further back, and Denier and Van Dijk and you've got you've got Ayer and, and Julian, you think right, not as good as Van Dijk and, and uh, uh, Denier, but a solid enough partnership, that hasn't been able to flourish, so I've described it previously as a perfect storm, and it has been. Um, a lot of the mitigating circumstances are out of their control. I think what we've done wrong is we have actually created a situation where we've been the architects of a lot of the, the issues ourselves, JP. And that's a frustration, isn't it? I mean, who would be playing left-back after Kieran Tierney goes, well, you know, we've brought in Ball and Golly, we've brought in uh, Greg Taylor, we've brought in Lick Salt. So left-back becomes a problem, whereas before we had a Geary followed by Tierney so it was never an issue at left back so we've, we've kind of got used to having areas of the park that we're confident in this season we've not been confident in any of these areas right back right so who's a right back you know so Frimpong has been utilised there uh, by Neil Lennon who's obviously a big fan Elhamad an international player who for any number of reasons hasn't performed or hasn't played mm-hmm. and then behind that obviously you've got Ayer and um, Covering there behind that, you've got Ralston, who's played one game for Celtic in eighteen months. So the whole defence, the five areas of the defence, have been under scrutiny. Yeah, and and normally that isn't a concern for us. It's yeah. huge. It's really yeah. it's a massive issue.
1: There's question marks next to positions, whereas previously there was never question mm-hmm. marks. You know, it would, there would always be a consistency there. You know, you you had somebody that was just there. They played. Thirty games a season, and they were solid, and they gave you performances. Obviously, with they gave you excellent performances rather than just okay performances. But I would settle for just okay, okay performances consistently from one player in those positions rather than this sort of constant chopping and changing. But we've had to constantly chop and change for so many different reasons: whether it's injury, whether it's self isolation, whether it's you know suspension. Um, you know, people completely forgot about Scott Brown last night. Uh, wasn't in the squad at all because of the red card. Um, and touching on Beaton at centre half again last night, he gave away a free kick towards the end. Now, fortunately, we were two goals to the good. And then, you know, a goal for Hamilton at that point. We certainly would have put the wind up us. It? it was would have put the wind up me if they'd scored that late on because you're just thinking, oh no, here we go again. But he shoved that boy over in the the right hand side and it was a foul all week and he's moaning complaining going back into his position that it wasn't a foul but it was a foul he, he, he fouled the guy and he gave away a free kick which allowed them to put a ball into the box late on in the game exactly the same thing as Laxalt did um, in the Hibs game exactly mm-hmm. the same thing as many other players have done uh, this season but you know he just needs to I, I, I mean he's going to obviously be playing we won't get anybody else at the moment but it's just so frustrating to watch Sunday and and you can say what you want about I'm not being a center half he has a center half he's been playing there for 3 or 4 years now like any time he's played for us recently he's played center half i think he's played center half for israel as well so mm-hmm. um, you know guess, yeah that that was that was
3: it's a big concern because i guess what i'm getting at you thought who's your right back well your right back's Mikael Lustig for years you know a very successful signing by Neil Lennon as it happens but he was a stalwart of the Celtic side has he been Has he been replaced properly uh, sufficiently no he hasn't because we've struggled in that position we've played El Hamid in and out bad injuries maybe some other personal issues that were reported and then denied by his agent uh, Frimpong's come in like you say never a right back but well, he's been he's been deployed there. We're now playing with someone else who's not a right back being deployed there. So since Lustig's gone out, has a recruitment been good enough? Arguably no. Since Tierney, the Izaguirre Tierney run, since that ended, has he been sufficiently replaced? No. Is it a recruitment issue? Perhaps. Then you look at the centre halves. Ayer and, and Julien, yeah, we've been unlucky with Julien's injury, but has our recruitment been good enough when you're playing Shane Duffy, who it's not worked out for, but you're playing someone else out of position in Beaton, again, so we're playing guys out of position. Does that solely come down to the bad recruitment over two or three transfer windows, JP?
1: It certainly does, yeah. I mean, you go back further in the right-back position and look at the likes of uh, Moritz Bauer, Jeremy Toyan, neither of whom would fill anybody with with confidence. I don't even know where Yan is now. Somebody will probably put in the comments that he's you know starring week in week out for some top on the continent and know if he is, but uh, he didn't really look like he could do that for us. And he cost us that game in Valencia. I'll never, never not believe that. Like when he got red carded in that game when he got he got uh, done by the boy. Uh, I th- we were playing well that night. I I I, I wouldn't be as go as far as to say we would have got through because we had a mountain to climb. But you know, he gave us about ten mountains to climb when he got red carded. Um, mm-hmm. So I always have a bit of, a bit of a needle for for Jeremy Tolyan. But uh, I I think the, the the recruitment has been mental for a, for a good number of years, and everybody knows it. But the thing is, a friend of mine said about Frimpong leaving. Uh, I said. You know, um, I was once described as not knowing if I was going for a shower or a shave when I was playing a game at uh, East End Park. Me and my mates hired East End Park and played a, a, and a side game. And a guy said to me, and it stuck in my head, and I was like, I'm not losing this game because he said that and they won. But uh, he said, I does not know if he's going for a shower or a shave. And I, I always kind of thought that about Frimpong. Whenever he gets anywhere near the, 18, the edge of the 18-yard box... Yes, he has some skill. Yes, he has pace. But he genuinely didn't know what he was doing at that point. It was like, panic stations, where do I go with this? Do I go to the byline? Do I try and cut it back? Do I chip it? Do I look for a player? Um, So, you know, thinking about... going off on a tangent here about
3: Frimpong what was it what were we talking about there well you started off by going on about um, Jeremy another Jeremy Toljan and whilst you were talking about Toljan JP I checked him out Uh, he's still with Borussia Dortmund but he's on loan and he's playing he's playing his trade in Serie A at the moment so he's probably a decent enough player but again it's interesting that you said that because we tried Toljan we tried Boyer and they came in on loan we've never replaced uh, Lustig. and by the way, I think Wastic had come to the end of his time at Celtic, but we, we haven't sufficiently replaced them, we've not sufficiently replaced tierney either.
1: Yeah, I remember what I was going to say. I, I, you know, I was texting a friend and uh, you know, she said, um, she said, oh, well, I, I you know, I wouldn't want Lennon to, to get the to get the money to spend on a replacement. And I went, Neil Lennon doesn't sign the players though, and then she went, well, yeah, good point, but you know, uh. So basically, you know, if Lennon isn't signing the players, which it doesn't seem like he is, because if there's the same system that's in place as what it was when Rodgers was there, with the whole uh, shred coming in, and I've got about a million wingers and all that, you know, that system hasn't changed between now. Surely, I, I don't think it has. So you've got to you've got to wonder how much influence uh, Neil Lennon even has in the signings, and that I I can't stand the fact that that is the situation at our club that you know, the manager doesn't sign the players. And potentially, Peter Lowell is signing the players or a mixture of Peter Lowell and Nicky Hammond mm. who seems to have his cards marked, you know, from the reports that you read um, going forward because, you know, th- this whole idea of, like, a transfer committee and then, then being presented at a number of players, like, surely, like, there's a, there, that means there's just no power in the manager. There's just no power. He's just He's just a guy that takes takes coaching and gets given players and has to Mm -hmm. work
3: yeah, I mean th- this is something That's taken me a while to get my head around as well JP, maybe I, I'm old fashioned I'm out of touch a wee bit But I always believed that the manager was that man um, Within reason I mean we've, we've spoken about Maravchik It was undeniably a Joel Wenglow signing That Maravchik uh, came into the club uh, You think about Brendan Rogers There's some people that I don't think anyone would deny Rogers wanted and got Toure for example, Sinclair They, they were Brendan Rogers signings But then when you're presented with a, a German intervention. Nationalist who plays 60 minutes in a year. There's no way that Brennan Rodgers wanted Marvin Comper at the club. I mean, listen, I'm surmising there, but I'd love someone to, to counter argument that one. You've got a £1 million defender and you won't play him because he's not your man. Um, and I think the same's ha- happened with, with, you know, Neil Lennon. It was quite clear that he wanted Foster. Um, I mean, he made that clear. He's worked with Foster many, many times in the past at Celtic. We didn't get him. How many other players? And this isn't me now standing up for Neil Lennon and saying it's not his fault. I just think the recruitment is a massive factor in this. And all it takes is three, let's say, bad or substandard windows, JP, and then your closest challengers having three... Fairly decent windows, and it can totally flip on its head. And you know, I'm going back to Tierney, I'm going back to Lustig, but I think it has taken a long time to unravel. And then, with all the Mitlengate and circumstances, we've not been able to deal with it. We've not been able to handle everything happening at once. We're now in a situation where we're looking at Duffy. We're kind of resigned to the fact he's going to be here till the end of the season. He's a Celtic player, and I will get back behind him. Of course, I will, but I'll also critique him if he's not playing well I'm looking at that centre half area I'd much rather Ayer was in there as good as he is up that right wing I'd much rather he was at centre half um, him and Duffy uh, you know failing that can salt play in the centre half area I know El Hamid can but he never does you know Lusted could play there he played there for Sweden he, he rarely, rarely played there for Celtic Um And I think when Lustig was getting older, he probably should have played more games at centre-half. But these are the things that we're now faced with. We're talking all about the the back five, including the goalie. Uh, Barkas, it doesn't look as though there's a way back for him. Um, but then again will we be able to ship him out permanently probably not you know it's one of these things that there might be interest in a loan deal does that work for Celtic well probably 50% of his wages will be pay- paid by the new club then do you think do you run with Bain and, and Hazard just like we're looking at the right-back situation do we run with Ayer, Elhamid and, and Ralston Um they've been non-committant really in terms of the the transfer talk JP where do you think I mean, for me, we need a right back, we need a centre half, potentially a goalkeeper. Do you think it really is in those areas? Is there anything else that you think you look at you and you think we need to strengthen elsewhere?
1: Well, I think he's going to persist with the formation that he's been playing, we 100% need uh, a right back and a centre half. But I think those two, those two are, are, are completely at the top of the list. Whether or not the, the ben, ben Davies is it from Preston, whether mm. or not that's the there's a lot of talk about that, you know, happening in the summer, but maybe it could happen, you know, prior to the summer. I would hope so because we just need we need strength there. I, I really don't want to see um, near beaton playing centre half as just simple as that. I just don't think, especially alongside Duffy, because you know Duffy's had his own limitations and has struggled, obviously. And so to, for Duffy to to play anywhere near what we know. He should be capable of having someone competent alongside him is surely a prerequisite. So uh, yeah, I would say uh, you know a right back who can play right back. You know, um, I, I would love to know about all these signings and and the, the detail of them all and you know whose idea they were and who's 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 suggested them as 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 a player and everything else. But you know when you said you weren't defending Neil Lennon, Neil Lennon put himself in this position by accepting the state of the club as it was when he joined. He didn't get to bring his own coaching team. He was like, clearly, maybe he wanted them. He was fine to proceed without that happening. And he's obviously been trying to proceed and go back into the, the job with the recruitment, the way that it's set up. Mm-hmm. So it, it, he, he must be sitting there really frustrated because he's going, these are only my players. Like, we, I, I didn't really want to go and get this guy back as, you know, he's been presented to me as an option, probably maybe the only option, and, I've, and, you know, and I've, you know, maybe had a sort of say in it, but ultimately it's kind of like, no, this is happening. We think this is a good deal, and, you know, sort of, so should you.
3: Yeah. Is that, I mean... The more we speak about it, at JP, the more it kind of paints a, a, a kind of bleak picture. Because is that one of the biggest issues? You look at Neil Lennon Mark one as a manager, and you look at the guys he was bringing in: Anthony Stokes, Joe Ledley, Gary Hooper, uh, and you think, well, for me, and again, I, I don't know for sure, but they're they're Neil Lennon signings, aren't they? I, I know for f- a fact Gary Hooper was a Neil Lennon signing. Absolutely. You know, And now, in order to deal with a situation where there's a, a whole committee, there's a recruitment process where Nicky Hammond is the head of that recruitment process and everything has to be vetted by Peter Lowell because he signs the checks and then you've got all your scouting network and the players are presented to Neil Lennon. And although he might fancy Ivan Tony over um, Albina yeah, you know, there's no guarantee he'll get that. A coach, one of these progressive, forward-thinking coaches that we keep hearing about, probably can deal with that because the 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 devil's in the detail. They're a coach, so they look at a player and they can, they can get a tune out of him. Neil Lennon might not be there. He might not be that man. He might be the guy that that needs his own men to be playing for him because he's identified him and he knows that in order to to um, you know get some goals and create some that front. Anthony Stokes is my man, the, the penalty box striker, Gary Hooper, and he, and he can trust them because he's identified them. Is that a bigger part of this issue? This recruitment problem is obviously not suited to the way that Neil Lennon works.
1: Yeah, I think so. I, I massively think so. It's even just after these few minutes of conversation, that I, I, I'm, I'm certain. Because you do think back to your Ledleys, your Hoopers, your Stokes, you know, fair enough. They were all a bit of Jack the Lad, and that's a reflection of the manager a little bit, isn't it? Because, you know, he's definitely had a bit of that about him in his time as a player and obviously as a manager as well. And so, you know, when you're getting guys coming in that you aren't 100% behind, but then if you if you look at the quote from... Uh, at the time we signed Albi a who has fast becoming, you know... Uh, a, an anomaly uh, uh, you know what 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 is going on with Albion and Ayeti no one really knows but it was attributed that Neil Lennon persuaded him to come to Celtic and it was like almost like Neil Lennon went out of his way to make sure that uh, Ayeti came to Celtic and he needed convincing and Neil Lennon convinced him so if we have to believe that then he is a Neil Lennon signing but not acting like it's a Neil Lennon signing right now Neil Lennon isn't acting like it's a guy that he's hung his hat on because he's not getting real Of chances or game time or anything Um, whether that's to do with the player himself and how he's how he is in Glasgow how he's developed as a player since he's been here or developed as a person maybe as he's been here you know because maybe his character has changed in this environment you don't know Um, there was an interesting quote attributed to is it Barry Fry? Is he the Peterborough chairman? Mm -hmm. I don't know if this is accurate I saw it in uh, some article but it was a quote from him saying the lad wanted to go to Celtic, but Celtic effed about and therefore he didn't go. And then you look at his stats, he scored like 16 goals in 23 games in the championship and however many assists and you're just like, well, how many has a Yeti scored? How many games has a Yeti played? No, so.
3: It's frustrating to hear that because, again, there's there's, there's real uh, similarities to the John McGinn deal, the, yeah. the now infamous John McGinn deal. Um, I'm going to go to this uh, message coming through from Vinny Jack on Twitter Janssen equals Larson. Absolutely, because I mean, he had the inside track on Larson's deal at Feyenoord. um having worked with him previously. He knew there was a get out clause, which is the only reason we got Larson for 650 grand. The best 650 grand was spent, wow. um, but th- this is the thing, even back in the, the days of Tommy Burns, we all know that Tommy utilised uh, a scouting network, David Hay was involved in that, um, whereby they were identifying players, sometimes they were identifying them, sometimes it were presented to them, and I remember the story around Pierre van Hoedonk, now he was at NEC Breda at the time, prolific goal scorer unfit, JP his conditioning wasn't right at that time and I think Van Hoedonk has admitted that since then because he became a, a fine specimen a proper athlete by the time he was at Feyenoord scoring free kicks against Rangers and take his top off when he signed for Celtic I don't think he had that same conditioning but Basically, his agent was selling, uh, sending videotapes. You've shown us an old season ticket. Uh, Back in the day, the videotape would be sent out to clubs. And a videotape was sent out to every um, Scottish and English top-flight club showing the showreel of Pierre van Hooydonk. And the reason I know that is I remember Kevin Keegan talking about it when he was a manager in Newcastle. And he'd been given this tape of van Hooydonk do you know, fancy this player so Celtic obviously took a punt on him and I think we, we signed up for about 1.2 million or something like that got our money back it obviously caused problems in the end but what a player so Tommy Burns didn't identify Van Hoydonk you know he was given it was presented to him so I think that's always been there similarly if you're going to use Wim Jansen as an example two of the players that came in under Janssen were Paul Lambert and Craig Billy they were identified by Tommy Burns you know the files on those two players were at Celtic Park through Tommy Bond, stroke Davy Hay, but the deals were eventually done by the time Jansen come in. So we take that on board that that's going to happen. But it seems to have gone real, really full circle now. Whereby I'm still, I'm now looking at the situation we had with Julian and Bolingoli being on the bench against Cluj. Whereby we're playing Callum McGregor at left back. You know, ten million pounds sitting on the bench. Is that because they weren't? Lenny signings, and then you look at Turnbull and Sorrow. Why did it take until October, November before they made an appearance? Is that because they weren't Lenny signings? Again, I'm speculating because we are in a situation now where obviously it hasn't worked out this season on so many levels. But a massive part of that's been recruitment. So you know when we're tearing it up or restructuring the club, I think recruitment is going to be key, a key element of that JP in the summer.
1: So big, yeah. And just thinking back to like you mentioned Davie Hay there. Obviously, David Hay was it was a scout, wasn't he? In the mm-hmm. in the nineties, and you know, I'm sure David Hay and Tommy Burns had a, a close relationship, given their connected uh, you know affiliation with Celtic. And it's just, I just don't think that Neil Lennon has that connect. Well, we, I'm, I'm pretty sure he doesn't have that connection with Nicky Hammond, you know. And for for me, it should be about. This, the guy who's in charge of the football and operations, if that is Nicky Hammond, if that is his role, he should have meetings with Neil and just the two of them, maybe John Kennedy and Gavin Strachan as well, but I would argue that it should just be between Nicky Hammond and Neil Wennon and they should make the decisions and then present the players that they want to the board rather than it being the other way around. Um, but that's a huge restructure and a huge... I just, I, I, for, I've i heard too many things about Peter Law wanting to have too much involvement in these transfers and that, that's concerning because that really isn't his position to do that. He should be concentrating on the things that he's good at. And I know that you could say, oh, well, we've had Dembele, we've had, you know, um, a Sinclair or whatever other signing you want to mention, but there's been far too many bad ones. You know, mm. you can get away with having a couple of good ones every now and then, but there's been far too many bad ones. Then going back to that January list that was read out, was it uh, Stevie, Stevie Mullen read out that list of January signs over the last few years and it was just like a, it was just like a sort of, you know, who's who of Celtic, you know, misfits really, it wasn't. I
3: know, I know. Right? This is the frustration as well. We we look upon the records of we brought in Van Dyke for two and a half. We sold him for twelve and a half. Fraser Foster, Victor Wan Yama, um, and others. I mean, even uh, you know when you're looking at um, uh, what's his name, the North Korean player that we had. That's the one. Yeah, completely lost them there. Um, we've done a great profit. We, we made a great profit on them, uh, And then it's continued. I mean, we made a, a slight profit on Gary Hooper. Uh, and we use all these as examples, shining examples, Moussa Dembele being another example, Jeremy Frimpong. But unfortunately, when you dig into the, the actual transfer dealings we've had, they're almost undone. Um, by Marvin Comper by you know Sved coming in uh, Kuasi Gamboa and it goes on and on because there's a lot worse uh, you know Bio um, it looks to me as though well Klamala Kee Sung Young how could I forget Kee Sung Young I thought he was a fantastic player uh, Klamala looks as though he's going to be part of that uh, tribe of players as well and it's millions and millions plus all the wages as well JP so all the good bits that we've done you know there's a lot of there's a whole plethora of players that have kind of undone it which is by the way it's more More or less ignored Welsh are winning league after league in quadruple trebles. And and we're as guilty as that as anybody, JP, you know, we wouldn't be sitting here having that discussion if we were sitting top of the league, I guess. But I think now that it's all come to a head, this is gonna be a massive part of the restructure because it has to be. Um, Because also you're going to have the post-Covid, post-Brexit effect, whereby we're going to have to be a lot cuter with the players coming in. Another big part of that, I guess, will be the youth situation, you know, whereby we are developing youth players... Um, and I don't uh, include Frimpong in that although we did develop them who you know are leaving the club before they've kicked a the ball for us that's a big concern Liam Morrison, Barry Hepburn both going to Bayern Munich uh, Conor McBride to Blackburn and Josh Adam to Manchester City then a couple of the guys who have made fleeting appearances Dembele uh, and Okafor, also perhaps leaving in the summer so then you think to yourself can we offer them the platform that we we have previously to develop
1: uh, well, the, with regards to the the, the young players like Valley and Okoflex, um I, I Brendan Rogers made a comment about players, um, which, you know, as much as people, you know, don't have a lot of time from Brendan Rogers anymore. myself included for the way that he left us, but he obviously, you know, did a lot of good things when he was here and led us to unprecedented success. Um, but he said he mentioned something about the young players, and he said. I wouldn't say you're a Celtic player until you're playing in the first team," he said. And I don't know if he was trying to, you know, leave him leave a Jock style quote. You know, um, I mean, he's nowhere near that man as far as I'm concerned. But um, he was trying to leave a Jock style quote and saying uh, you're not a Celtic player until you're playing in the first team. Other than uh, until then, you're just an employee or something like that, or you're a, you're a, you know you know you work for Celtic, you work for the club. Because um, he said, "I see all these young players, go, you know, cutting about with their uh, Louis Vuitton wash bags, and you know they think they've made it before they've actually done anything." And you mentioned it on the show the other day. You know, like Dembele probably thinks he's made it as a footballer because he's been in an Nike advert and because he's had a lot of good press. He's not done anything yet, and yeah, you could say, "Oh, he's not had the chance." Why has he not had the chance? Because I don't think he's got the right attitude and. We've heard stuff, uh, uh, you know, that would point in that direction. So if he decides to leave or his agent and his family decide to move him on to another team, I'd be very interested to see how he gets on in that other team or in that other club because you know, I don't think if he's wanting to progress his career, I don't think they'll stand for that sort of attitude from a player. And it's all about attitude. You only need to look at the players that have left Celtic in the past, that have gone on to do absolutely nothing, players that have been lauded, uh, you know, as as young prospects that have gone on to do nothing in the game, and you would never wish that to happen on somebody, but it's you know it's about the player's attitude, and that's why players are successful or not successful. At Celtic, Frimpong has been successful because of his attitude training, uh, mm-hmm. and he applied himself, and he got a chance. Scott Brown said to Neil Wennon, "This guy's good enough to play in our in our team," and he got in. and Look at look at look at what's happened. He's got a move. It's because he came in, and you know fair enough, we all criticised him for his final ball, but he did have quite a lot of good performances for Celtic in his sort of weird right wing back midfield role. Um, And and then he's got his move, but the the, the others haven't yet. They haven't come in and, you know, uh, got seven, eight nines out of tens over a a course of time. Mm -hmm. Uh, So, you know, I'm not going to, you know, uh, lose sleep over the fact that Celtic might lose players that haven't got the right attitude. It's when the, it's when you start losing players, maybe like Liam Morrison. That's you know, uh, my friend Michael knows uh, Maury's dad from Saltcoats, and mm-hmm. you know they're good people and good stock and that's the type of where you don't want to be losing because if he comes back to bite us as a international centre-half in a few years to come then that's when you're concerned, you know
3: Oh, definitely I've been reminded by Kevin B on YouTube Cameron Harper going back to America as well Yep, I forgot to mention Cameron Harper Now, w- with that in mind the Jeremy Fimpong uh, deal has been done he's, he's obviously been speaking to uh, the social media team over in Germany and uh, my memory, my my big memory of Frimpong, uh, is in the, the League Cup the League Cup final where Chris uh, Christopher Julien scored the winning goal. Uh, Fraser Foster will be remembered for uh, playing a fairly big part in winning that cup JP but I always remember Frimpong being the outball all day long. He was the outball, even though he got sent off uh, that day. I just thought you know, we had our hands on something a bit special with Frimpong around about that time. <coughs> Leading up to that game, he had us on the edge of our seats time and time again. I wish the guy all the best. I hope that these little elements, and, and it's to the casual observer like you and I, the elements of his game that can improve will be honed and coached. And if so, I think, you know, we'll be looking at uh, Frimpong in years to come and think, wow, he was at Celtic, you know. But it all comes down to development. But I do take your point, and I think the, the classic example, of course, is this. Islam I'd love to speak to Islam Farouz. We had uh, Islam's first agent um, on a Celtic state of mind before we went uh, broadcasting live. It was John Calhoun, um, and I had a really good discussion with John uh, around Islam Farouz. I think everything changed when he got a new agent. His attitude changed. JP, it was all about um, the money and the profile and the status. Uh, no longer in the game. No longer in the game. Doesn't even play. So, that really is a warning, uh, a warning sign for any young player coming through that uh, you could get carried away with the Instagram and the Louis Vuitton toilet bag and all that stuff and the earphones. Uh, make sure you're playing football when you're actually making a difference because the flip side of that is, there's Frimpong came in as, as a 300 grand development player from Man City. At the same time as uh, Leo Connor, who around about that time was probably ahead of him in terms of his development mm-hmm. and you see what Frimpong's done uh, compared to O'Connor. so fair play to him good luck to Frimpong uh, and JP, it's been an absolute pleasure again uh, a wee walk down memory lane going back to the, the time of Joseph Venglos as well yeah, and we we'll be- <laughs> oh, you know, uh, and again we'll talk about it next week. Who knows what will happen in a week of Celtic? By which time the transfer window will have uh, closed shut. Um, will we have anybody else in you? Will anyone else leave? We'll talk about it next week. Uh, so thanks once again, JP Mason, for joining me on a Celtic state of mind.
0: When MMA fighter Clay Guida was losing his hair, he trusted Bosley to get it back. Now it's your turn. Get a free information kit, plus get a $250 off gift card when you text SCORE to 203203. That's text SCORE to 203203. Don't wait. Text SCORE to 203203. Sports Social Podcast Network. Sports Social Podcast Network. Sports Social Podcast Network.